Mike Lindell is broke, the Twitch CEO is stepping down, nobody knows the word woke means, and Firefest 3.0 might be on the horizon. It's a big dump today, but we should probably kick things off with the fact that banning the most popular app in existence is back on the menu, boys. And while TikTok continually proves itself to be an absolute privacy nightmare, which has also been shown to direct users quite rapidly towards extremist content, like all the rest of the apps, the fact that it's a foreign government who's sucking down all that data and using it for potentially nefarious purposes is what has local, state, and federal governments attempting to crack down on the wildly popular video app once again. That's American data. Yeah, <laughs> if anyone is going to harvest the intimate data of its users to either use it against them or to feed them absurdly targeted advertisements or hand over medical data and other private information, well, those apps had better have been developed and continue to be maintained here in the good old US of A, where you can trust everything, right? But seriously, it does seem like with everything else we know about how our own apps are spying on us, we should at least be a bit more cautious about one that is run by what is considered a foreign adversary. It's not just the U.S. either. I mean, Trump tried to start all of this a few years back when he tried to convince Walmart to buy it. But, yeah. but eventually other countries came around to the idea that it's probably not ideal for China to have an unlimited supply of data for every single foreign citizen who got bored enough to endlessly scroll through mind-numbing video content. Some harmless, some mean-spirited, and some that consists of misinformation and hate speech. Again, this is not a TikTok-specific problem. All these apps have their issues, and we've covered them at length. But with tensions rising and Biden shooting down balloons and sinking buoys and everything else, it shouldn't come as much of a surprise that he would go after the biggest spy balloon of them all. <laughs> the one that's on your phone. But let's get into whether or not this is actually happening, if it's possible, and then why exactly nations, specifically the US, Canada, and Europe, are clamping down on this. And why right now? Well, first off, it's so far not an outright TikTok ban, though that option would be on the table if certain demands aren't met. Much like the first time this came around during the Trump administration, the current administration is demanding that the product appearing in our app stores be sold to another company so that the Chinese government doesn't have direct access to all that sweet, sweet data, all those analytics, and the algorithm that decides what exactly it should put in front of those users. Uh, here's NPR with more. An American company acquiring TikTok would require the blessing of Chinese officials, who for years have been hostile to the idea of selling off its first global social media success. For two years, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S., or CFIUS, has been examining whether U.S. data is properly safeguarded. In response, TikTok has committed to spend $1.5 billion on a plan known as Project Texas. Sounds American enough? Yeehaw. I say we trust it. Uh, which would enact a stronger firewall between TikTok and employees of its Beijing parent company. This is all shit we covered yes. two years ago when this first happened. Yeah. I'm getting deja vu. Flashbacks. So they add that the plan relies on the data supervision of Texas-based software company Oracle. It also includes independent monitors and auditors to ensure that neither corporate owner ByteDance nor Chinese officials would be able to access U.S. user data. CFIUS appeared at first to be satisfied with the safety measures TikTok was enacting, though the deal had not been formally approved. Now, however, CFIUS has rejected TikTok's proposal and is demanding that ByteDance sell the app, something ByteDance has vigorously resisted for years. TikTok CEO Shu Zi Chu 
is scheduled to testify before the House Energy and Commerce Committee next Thursday. This comes after a bipartisan bill was unveiled early this month that would provide President Biden with the authority to ban TikTok. And as for the specifics of why governments are attempting to force a sale or ban the app entirely, here's the New York Times. It all comes down to China. China. <laughs> Lawmakers and regulators in the West have increasingly expressed concern that TikTok and its parent company, ByteDance, may put sensitive user data, like location information, into the hands of the Chinese government. They have pointed to laws that allow the Chinese government to secretly demand data from Chinese companies and citizens for intelligence gathering operations. They are also worried that China could use TikTok's content recommendations for misinformation. TikTok has long denied such allegations and has tried to distance itself from ByteDance. Also, come to think of it, like, wouldn't Europe and Canada still be a little uh, wary about a U.S. company buying it? Like, that doesn't really clear all of the problems that they might have with it, but, you know. It's the asshole you know versus the yeah, asshole you don't know. Uh, so the reporting goes into how these bans are already spreading here in the United States, particularly when it comes to government officials and members of the military. Since November, more than two dozen states have banned TikTok on government-issued devices, and many colleges, like the University of Texas at Austin, Auburn University, and Boise State University, have blocked it from campus Wi-Fi networks. Oh, wow. Uh, the app has already been banned for three years on U.S. government devices used by the Army, the Marine Corps, the Air Force, and the Coast Guard, but the bans typically don't extend to personal devices. And students often just switch to cellular data to use the app. Well, I bet you, you I, yeah, they are still on the family plan usually. But, yeah. Uh, got that unlimited data. Yeah, nowadays, if it was still the days where you had to pay all the, the data charges. What? <laughs> Ooh. So basically, as it stands currently, it appears as though organizations and governments can block the app on their networks and on phones that are owned by someone other than the user. But a user can still have the app on their phone and can easily circumvent network blocks by simply not using that network. Yeah. Speaking with an expert on the subject, the Times indicated that one way the government could ban the app on private user phones would be to block TikTok from selling advertisements or making updates to its systems, essentially making it non-functional. The obvious workaround here would be to not update your phone or anything like that, which would potentially make a bad situation worse <laughs> since patches are deployed to fix glaring security exploits and other bugs. Yeah. Just opening, opening the door wide open. This um, phone's got... TikTok and Flappy Bird. That's the thing. It would just be like the Flappy Bird thing yeah. where you could buy iPhones on eBay for $5,000 to access TikTok. I need my fix. Now, all this is to say a, a TikTok ban it isn't impossible. It's just going to be difficult to pull off. And you also run the risk of pissing off a very vocal, very motivated generation of younger people who, for better or worse, utilize the app as a way to stay entertained, stay informed, feel connected, and in some cases start or sustain businesses. And privacy, it's a huge, huge issue. And the United States has been doing an absolutely piss poor job of it over the years. So many will look at this ban and wonder why TikTok is such a massive issue when the alternatives are doing the same exact thing with the data going to another hostile government instead, the US government especially when there have already been stories about private medical information being shared with advertisers and local governments to clamp down on things like abortion rights or gender-affirming care. Yeah, this whole country is a privacy nightmare. Yeah, there's Who nothing are, being done to fix we're it. We're kind of the pot calling the kettle black here. Yeah, it's just that a adversarial country is the one that's getting all the data, and they are pissed about it. I would take all this a lot more seriously if uh, anyone was working to put laws on the books to actually 
give us something like GDPR or just anything to protect our data. Because yeah, luckily California has done some things, but n does not go far enough. Y'all are being a little selectively concerned about this issue. Yes, it would be much more believable if there were anyone deeply concerned with the privacy rights of U.S. citizens on U.S.-owned apps. But anyways, the whole online space is a giant fucking privacy nightmare that needs to be reckoned with, but it's hard not for everyone to see the irony in all of this. And yeah, sorry, this is going to have to be one of those videos where we do have to ask you what you think about all this because neither of us use TikTok. I used it for like, uh, you know, six months to a year, and then I, I stopped because of reasons like this and also... Uh, yeah, I have ADD and it's hard to turn it off. I've never installed the app. I've only been on the website and they make the website very hard to use. The, the uh, website yeah. is archaic it's and annoying. Like intentionally like not a web-based experience. For so long, it didn't even have a volume slider. So if you yeah. had headphones on, it was Boom. Boom. <laughs> So yeah, feel, fe feel free to uh, engage in a healthy debate down below in the marketplace of ideas, AKA our comment section. Um, if you still use it, why? And are you worried about this? What do you think? <laughs> anyway, now let's continue on with things that are seemingly unexplainable, like the word woke, which we easily explained on one of our most recent episodes of this show. Uh, the more accurate definition would be something like being aware of social injustices. But it's been taken over completely, and it's changed so much over the years that the standard definition would now simply be um, when someone does or says something that conservatives don't approve of. Um, Especially in ways that they can't elucidate uh, <laughs> with specifics because it would make them sound bigoted, like, like fucking <laughs> 1950s races. Yeah. Basically, it's like, oh, the Super Bowl halftime show was woke. It's like, do you, are you saying that because black people were in it? Yeah, anyway. no, they, it, it's anything. It's uh, teaching history, providing funding for social programs, guaranteeing health care as a human woke. right, uh, acknowledging the existence of gay or transgender people, woke. acknowledging that minorities have systemic disadvantages very, in life. Very, very woke. Uh, casting people of color in a movie. Oh, jeez, uh, woke. Hollywood's gone woke. Changing the footwear of anthropomorphic pieces of chocolate candy. M&M's has gone woke. Pointing out that schools probably shouldn't be war zones. And, uh, you know, all, all the other woke shit like that. But conservatives can't just come out and say that they hate minorities, gays, and basic human decency. They have to code it in an easy-to-remember phrase that their constituents can repeat ad nauseum until it loses all real meaning, despite representing every enemy they've made up in their heads. Yeah, and, they, and like, despite it being a, a central uh, issue for half this country is uh, the woke agenda, you'd think they'd be able to... Define it correctly. Yeah, succinctly explain what it is they're so goddamn angry about. But they have, they're at least aware that it is a pejorative, so they have to, like, do a dance around it. So, anyways, it's a, it's a literal replacement for hate speech that they desperately want to be free to spew. That's what it is. But because they want to tap dance around the idea or at least provide themselves with a certain amount of plausible deniability when they're called out for their bullshit, they use the catch-all. Mm -hmm. Problem is, if you ask them to define it, they, they really can't do it without coming up with a, like specific examples. Examples that give away what they're really protesting. And this week we got the perfect example of someone trying their best to come up with a definition for the word on the spot while trying not to sound like a piece of shit who's also stupid. Turns out, pretty hard to do. <laughs> and we're just gonna show you the whole clip because if you haven't seen it yet, it's beautiful. So here's Brianna Joy Gray pressing conservative author Bethany Mandel about the term during an appearance 
on her show. And we'd like to point out that Bethany Mandel was appearing on the show to promote her new book, which is literally about how liberals are supposedly indoctrinating the youth with their woke agenda. So uh, it seems like you might be an expert on this topic, <laughs> Bethany. Yeah. You wrote a whole goddamn book about it. Um, but no, you'd think she might be able to at least bullshit her way through the question. But no, 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 no. So have a look. And probably fewer of them consider themselves to be woke. And so, you know, when, when what, we what talk about traditional... What does that mean to you? Could, could, would you mind defining woke? Because it's come up a couple of times and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So, I mean, woke is sort of the idea that... Um, I... This is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. I mean, woke is something that's very hard to define, and we've spent an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to re -to totally reimagine and re re redo society in order to create hierarchies of oppression. Um, sorry, I, it's, it's hard to explain in a 15-second soundbite. Well, yeah, look, your time. Wonderful. Just a beautiful display. And of course, the days that followed were filled with conservative commentators just falling over themselves to define the term without sounding like hate mongers. All coming up with different definitions, yeah, interestingly enough. Inadvertently showing their hands because despite dozens, if not hundreds of prominent right-wing talking heads taking to Twitter to define that term, there didn't seem to be any agreed upon consensus as to what it means to them collectively. Yeah. Everyone just gave different versions of what they thought it meant in the least offensive way possible. So clearly they still have no idea what it really means or what they want us to think it means, but we already know what it means. It's when someone says or does something that they don't like, disrupts their precious norms, or threatens to reduce their sense of superiority in any way, specifically when it comes to any issues related to gender, sexuality, or race. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But they're gonna keep saying it, and baby, woke. The election is, you know, it's a year and a half away, but... The campaigning has begun. The campaign's gone woke. Oh, and uh, I think maybe we'll cover it on Weekly Weirs. I'm not sure. But there's a, a new, you know, just a softball tossed to Trump for uh, Ron DeSantis' name. Uh, Puddin' Ron. Because apparently he's yep, putting with yep, his fingers. Yep, yep, yep. It's pretty fucking gross. It's real gross. I did not like learning about this, but it's great material for the show. Also, uh, you know, a notch on the uh, success side of AI. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but someone on Twitter ran potential nicknames for Ron DeSantis through the AI to come up with. And one of the top results was the best one, Swampy Ron, because he's part of the DC swamp. And he's from Florida, uh -huh. which is a giant it's, swamp. Uh, yeah. It's perfect. And he's got that swamp ass from eating all that pudding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that more in depth on Weird News. It, it, it's very exciting stuff. Yeah. But we need a breather after all the woke talk. So let's make fun of... Fire Festival founder Billy McFarlane again. He's mm -hmm. out of prison and he's back on his bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you watch the show, you already know about that. But yeah, he's out of jail. He's ready to get back to uh, what he does best, entrepreneurship through dubious marketing schemes. And when we say that's what he does best, it's what he went to prison for in the first place. Well, he does do it well. He did it well enough to actually go to prison as someone who has money. I would define <laughs> that as not doing it well, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's not much real information out there about his latest big brain idea, but it really sounds like he's onto something with this one. Mm -hmm. So let's just read his tweet and see what he has planned. I have one shot at this. Having 1,000 content creators come together for something totally unprecedented in April. Who else wants their business to go viral? Wait, hold on. That 
sir, that sounds exactly like every other scheme that you've come up with and subsequently gone to jail for. The idea that anyone would want to be involved in this outside of the morbid curiosity of watching it all collapse is insane. Still, we have no doubts that any business who does get involved will indeed go viral, just maybe not in the way that they'd hoped. By all means, let this man cook, but stay far, far away from the kitchen. Also, it, it, just the way that he's positioning this feels like he saw one Mr. Beast video and was like, oh, what if I did this, but not for charity? Seems like there's a lot of money in this. I, you know, I want to see what he comes up with. Let him cook. Just stay away. But speaking of letting people cook, what a transition. Yeah, there it is. We'll get back <laughs> to the news in a second. But first, today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get to let yourself cook. You get farm <laughs> fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. HelloFresh, let them cook. Let them cook. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. March is National Nutrition Month, and HelloFresh makes it easy to choose delicious, dietitian approved meals. Simply look for the dietitian win tag on their menu choices for meals under 700 calories and with one third less sodium. With the cost of groceries going up and up, now is the perfect time to get started with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. HelloFresh has 40 weekly recipes to choose from for all meal occasions, lifestyles, and preferences. Take your pick from meals like soy glazed salmon with rice or mushroom and chive risotto. Powering up with protein is easier than ever with HelloFresh. Just check for the protein smart tag on their menu to quickly find recipes featuring 30 grams or more of protein, like one pot pork and black bean chili or creamy Dijon dill chicken. HelloFresh makes it easy to eat what you love. Customize select meals by swapping proteins or sides or even adding protein to a veggie dish. And now you can even upgrade for organic chicken or organic ground beef on select meals. Well, I've been obviously loving their vegan and veggie options. I've been surprised about how delicious they are and how fun they are to cook. As the world's busiest YouTuber, HelloFresh's quick and easy meals are perfect for me because I can get dinner on the table in a matter of minutes and then get back to doing everything else. Which is uh, hiking and playing Factorio or Factorio. How do you pronounce it? I, I like your version. Okay. By the way, HelloFresh also owns Green Chef, another one of our sponsors, and their combination provides you with an even wider array of meal plans to choose from. There truly is something for everyone. Right now, our viewers can get up to 60% off plus free shipping by going to HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump60 and by using code NewsDump60. That is HelloFresh.com slash NewsDump60 with code NewsDump60 for 60% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Let him cook. <laughs> All right, back in the news. And if anyone is suffering for what's being described as a mind virus, got to be my pillow CEO and election denier Mike Lindell who is still to this day bankrolling a conspiracy campaign around what he thinks is a stolen election how he still has money to do this well I'm starting to have questions about uh -huh. and maybe gonna have some answers about because <laughs> yeah he's riding his empire his pillow fort into the ground <laughs> uh, goes... turns out the pillow fort wasn't as secure as I had hoped uh, yeah, it goes without saying that the Dominion lawsuit would almost instantly destroy what's left of his company. So maybe that's his game plan here. He needs to spend every cent he has before it's taken away from him. Can't uh, can't take money from a man with no money left. Yeah, it's genius. Yeah, the kamikaze pillow salesman. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that case, I mean, whatever. We don't think he's that smart, especially considering the mountains of bipartisan, verifiable evidence that exists. But we'd also find way more entertaining ways to spend millions upon millions of dollars. Ways that don't involve what has clearly resulted in a descent into madness and despair, and allegedly, arguably, a return to that crack cocaine habit. 
I hope not. No, Gosh. it's not. It's definitely not crack. It's probably some weird. Oh, it's, a doctor gave this to me. Yes, <laughs> these were prescribed these by a medical <laughs> professional. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, Mike Lindell, the Pillow Man, persisted, mm -hmm. and now it looks like the My Pillow Empire might actually be coming to an end. Here's Insider with more on this. Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow, says he had to borrow $10 million in 2022 just to keep his pillow company afloat. Speaking to Insider on Wednesday night, Lindell said that to keep MyPillow going, he borrowed about $4 million in May, $2 million in the summer, and $4 million in September. What banks are bankrolling this man? What, who? Or who? Is. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, you know, $10 million is, of course, a lot of money for anyone. But for a business the size of MyPillow, uh, needing just $10 million to keep the lights on is a pretty clear signal that this is doomed. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, Lindell said he's personally been borrowing money to stay liquid, too. I sold a building I had in Savage in Minnesota in October, Lindell told Insider. And I had to borrow $2 million too. I've spent it all on fighting for this country. Lindell told Insider that some creature comforts, like his private jet, which had a door come off of it in October... <laughs> <laughs> Mid-flight? <laughs> hadn't been sold yet. I have to get around, you know. Lindell declined to reveal who loaned him the money, but told Insider that a majority of the borrowed cash had gone to defending MyPillow against the lawsuits filed against the company. One of the major ongoing lawsuits is the $1.3 billion defamation lawsuit from Dom Dominion Voting Systems, which cites both MyPillow and its owner, Lindell, in the case. Their reporting continues. I can't sell my plane where the door fell off. I need to get around for Christ's sake. <laughs> uh, continues. In January 2022, one of Lindell's banks, the Minnesota Bank and Trust, described him as a reputation risk <laughs> and cut ties with him a month later. And in June, Walmart, my pillow's biggest distributor, pulled Lindell's pillows from its stores. Lindell has also been burning through his cash. In March, he told Insider he was spending at least one... <laughs> at least... <laughs> At least one mil I can't do it. At least one million dollars a month to build social media apps like his Facebook-like platform, Frank Social. That's still around? <laughs> what? Not very social and not very frank. Lindell told Insider on Wednesday night that his burn rate is currently <laughs> still at a million a month, though part of this now goes to funding his newly formed Election Crime Bureau. Oh, the, the ECB? Uh, the bureau consists of 40 staff members who he says are working hard to uncover more information about the 2020 election. It's been more than two years. Is there really more information left? Lindell did not respond to Insider's question on how much money he has left. <laughs> uh, I, I've got a couple million dollars, but they're hidden in pillows scattered around my house. And well, the house is full of pillows, as you might guess. Oh, what he should do is hide the evidence in my pillows and then who, uh, put them back in stores like a Willy Wonka type thing where mm -hmm. uh, you get to actually install Donald Trump as president yeah. once you find all of the evidence in one of the my pillows. Two things, though. I guarantee you he won't sell his plane and refuses to travel any other way because anytime he travels uh, in a bus or car, he gets served warrants. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, the people that are working in this election crime bureau guarantee are just my pillow employees that he has shifted tasks to. Yeah, it's got to be a weird company to work for. Yeah. You go to college, you, you get your major in pillow science, and, uh, you know, you Your only options are, are doing the, the kids' woke pillow yeah. uh, that they tried to pitch on Twitter a couple of years ago, or my pillow. Yeah. Like, uh, sir, I, can we talk about, can we steer the conversation back to pillows, please? That's, like, that's what we're trying to sell here. Mm -hmm. There's also uh, the other Great Lakes, the, the opposite, uh, the Nega, 
negative universe, Mike Lindell, Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Uh, he, he was in the news this week because uh, all of the conspiracy dipshits who used to love him were very upset that he uh, actually is in favor of getting the COVID-19 vaccine. It's like, yeah. He, my mother was a nurse. He was like an old standard She said conspiracy masks guy. work. And a lot of it was like anti-government. Yeah, uh, a lot of it like that pretty was normal. documented like CIA shit. Yes, it's exactly. Like, it's a conspiracy theory, but that like, but it's also fucking true. Yeah, his, that kind of his, shit. His conspiracies were conspiracies in the sense that they were fucked up things that the government did. Yeah. Like the, like the Tuskegee experiments and stuff like that. Like exposing things like that, which aren't conspiracies. They're just fucked up things that the government did. And now everyone's like, hey, wait a second. This yeah. guy wants to take vaccines because they're provable? <laughs> I miss the old Jesse Ventura. I miss the Jesse Ventura that used to clothesline a man and then choke slam him into the ring, then put him down for the one, two, three. That yeah. Jesse Ventura. Anyways, uh, speaking of spending money in the dumbest ways possible, uh, apparently the CEO of Match Group, the company that owns Match.com, OkCupid, Hinge, Tinder, and all that, has a pretty gnarly microtransaction problem and has spent a an absolutely absurd amount of money on in-game currency. <laughs> and worst of all, he admitted it. Oh, degenerate gamer. Uh, here's The Verge with more on CEO Bernard Kim's spending habits. During a talk at New Street Research's online dating summit, he dropped this anecdote while talking about mobile games. No one plays these games forever. After a certain point, people churn out of a game experience. And what are you left with? I've personally spent $50,000 in three months in Clash of Clans. What the fuck? And I still look back at that with lots of shame. I'm like, oh my god, what did I really get out of that experience? Nothing, other than, like, a really amazing wall, which is not cool today. Wow, this man is a whale. Yes. He's one of those The elusive whales. whales. Yeah. yeah. These, they exist. Mm -hmm. And they own fucking, all of the companies. It's fucking wild. So real, you know, geniuses at work here. I think after you spend $50,000 on microtransactions, the government should, like, take your money away from you. <laughs> They're nationalizing Tinder? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, at least he's aware that it was a huge waste of money and an extremely stupid thing to do. He does feel shame, apparently. He then went on to explain how apps like Tinder, which offer subscriptions for enhanced features and capabilities, are different. After talking about his wall, he turned to the presenter and said... Now you look at what can come out of Tinder. You meeting your wife. That's an immeasurable reward. Something that will last a lifetime. That will lead to unbelievable happiness. Maybe sometimes despair, but at least you're feeling something. Just want to feel something. Yeah. I'm not sure about that, though. Having a really impressive clash of clans wall or whatever. I, don't, I haven't played it. Never played it. There's a wall in there. Having that would at least give you a sense of superiority and bravado over your fellow players, which we would assume are people you would never meet in real life and could also just be bots yeah <laughs> still uh emotions though right also you could be an esports superstar with in-game spending like that and everyone knows that gamers get all the girls so maybe he's onto something just remember to rinse up gamers yeah with all that spending in clash of clans he'll be at the uh olympics micro city in no time yeah mm -hmm. then who's laughing but while we're on the topic of gamers, though, it is the end of an era, and potentially a sign of a rocky road ahead for the internet's live-streaming behemoth, Twitch. Because the CEO of Twitch, Emmett Shear, is stepping down after 16 years at the company, effective immediately. Uh, with more on this, here's IGN. Shear announced his departure in a Twitter thread today. According to screenshots of his blog post, the birth of his son made him pause and reflect on his future at Twitch. He compared its growth from a 24-7 reality show to a site where streamers can broadcast their gameplay to millions of people to raising a child, his first child. 
Twitch often feels to me like a child I've been raising as well, Shear said. And while I will always want to be there if Twitch needs me, at 16 years old, it feels to me that Twitch is ready to move out of the house and venture Wrong. 16? No. You still got have to keep that child in school You are abandoning that child. So it is with great poignancy that I share my decision to resign from Twitch as CEO. Dan Clancy, the current president of Twitch, will now serve as CEO effective immediately. Shear will continue working at Twitch in an advisory role. Wait, so was he there back when it was like still Justin.tv? I believe so. He's one of the original uh, original people. At... That's pretty wild. Yeah. Also, like, it's a weird excuse and feels... We, we've, we've been through a I lot mean, of that's CEO a long, talk. That's but... a long time to work somewhere, and it's yeah. just like, fuck it, I'm rich. Like, True, yeah. I mean... and, and also, it's like... I don't know. Like, he might he might be frustrated with the way things have been going under they're Amazon. They're certainly like, facing headwinds. So yeah, it's like why not? They're leave? kind of ceding a lot of ground to competitors finally, mm-hmm. potentially. Right here on YouTube, baby. I'm talking more like kick. Oh, okay. The live stream platform where you can watch a man get his dick sucked. Okay. <laughs> and Aiden <laughs> Ross will just literally watch porn and the Super Bowl. Because uh, you're allowed to do that, I guess. Wow, I wasn't even aware of this. Yeah, I'll have no, to check it out when I get home. Uh, it's Twitch, but without all the rules. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, great. But yes, I think the And it's owned by bullshit. a gambling website. It's yeah. literally just a way for streamers to stream themselves like playing online casino games like without having to worry about like violating Twitch TOS. Okay, well, <laughs> all right. But yeah, I think the excuse is bullshit. It's just like, okay, the company is facing headwinds for the first time, real headwinds for the first time, and... Uh, you know, there's layoffs. There's all kinds of things that look yeah. really bad. So why not just leave? I'm good. Yeah. Pick up a real nice camera and go on some vacations. Just like uh, Tom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do the Tom thing. Aspirational. Anyway, to round out today's stories, an update on Ticketmaster. You thought pissing off the Swifties was bad? Well, wait until you get a load of Robert Smith of The Cure, who publicly trashed Ticketmaster after intentionally pricing his concerts as affordably as possible. Uh, Turns out, even when the artist demands low ticket prices, Ticketmaster will get theirs either way, which resulted in the prices doubling in some cases through various fees. The Cure attempted to avoid the negative reaction from fans by turning down options to price gouge with services like platinum packages and variable pricing, but people were still upset when they tried to purchase their reasonably priced tickets, only to be hit with fees upon fees upon fees during checkout. This resulted in Robert Smith tweeting the following. Oh, don't do the voice. I am as sickened as you all are by today's Ticketmaster fee. <laughs> I love the cure. I, I, yeah, yeah. I am sick. <laughs> I am as sickened as you all are. I am not in love. <laughs> I am as sickened as you all are by today's Ticketmaster fees debacle. To be very clear, the artist has no way to limit them. I have been asking how they are justified. If I get anything coherent by way of an answer, I will let you all know. Waiting for an answer from Ticketmaster. Yeah, well, uh, it's great. Anyways, apparently Ticketmaster didn't have answers for him, but they did listen, and they didn't want to piss him off, and they bent the knee. In an update to fans, Smith posted, again in all caps, After further conversation, Ticketmaster have agreed with us that many of the fees being charged are unduly high, and as a gesture of goodwill, have offered a $10 per ticket refund to all verified fan accounts for the lowest ticket price, LTP transactions, and a $5 per ticket refund to all verified fan accounts for all other ticket price transactions, for all Cure shows at all venues. If you already bought a ticket, you will get an automatic refund. All tickets on sale tomorrow will incur lower fees. 
He added, so verified fan sales have now ended. A number of tickets for all Cure shows, except LA and Detroit, a miscommunication, sigh, were held back for general on sale Friday 17th at 10 a.m. local time. Links will be posted in a bit. Good luck. Um, so it appears as though uh, they didn't hold any general sale tickets for the Detroit or LA sold, uh, shows. It just all went straight to the secondhand market. The, the, the verified fans, which is uh, typically someone, you know, it's just a, a password that is yeah. readily available to anyone. Show me, show me, show me how you sell those ticks. <laughs> These prices make me feel seasick. <laughs> okay, anyway, this proves that Taylor Swift and her team almost certainly could have done something for the fans. But also, like we said months ago, the resale price of Taylor Swift's concerts, they're already dropping substantially as the dates get closer. This is all by design. Patience. Concerts and tours that instantly sell out might be sold out, but that doesn't mean you're not able to attend if you want to. You just have to be patient and uh, wait for prices to come down to a somewhat reasonable level and pounce on them mm -hmm. when they do. Mm -hmm. uh, this does only work for large artists, by the way. If it's a local show at a bar or a venue with a capacity that isn't outrageous, I mean, things sometimes do sell out and they go for higher on the resale market. But if it's a fucking it's a stadium, stadium or yeah. an arena, no shot. You're going to be able to get tickets at a normal price. Yeah. Uh, it, it's already, they're already reporting because I believe the Swift tour starts this week or something. They're already reporting like, oh, these are back down to normal price. Yeah. But not before a bunch of people who have, uh, you know, more money than patients bought tickets for like a thousand dollars. And by the way, on purpose, the fees are tied to a percentage and not a standard fee. So when some idiot pays $2,000 for a ticket, they're paying like, I forget what it is, but like an 18% charge on that. For the same fucking ticket. Ticketmaster gets paid either way. Yes. Yes, they do. <sighs> but yeah, Ticketmaster is, is banking on desperation because if they can get the fees on a resale ticket that goes for $1,000, it offsets everything else. It's diabolical. It's total bullshit. But uh, yeah, good for Robert Smith. Looking good, King. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will not comment. On the looking good, but uh, he, he looks terrible. But uh, he still got, still, still got, got the, it, still, still performing. Got the pipes. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Anyways, uh, again, you're doing a great job out there. Liking the videos, subscribing to the channel. We can't ask for more than what you're already giving. We love seeing it. We love that you're just here watching. And uh, you know what? If you if you if you haven't watched it already, we got two other episodes for you to watch. We got a whole episode about GPT four. Yeah. Which is better than three because yeah, the number's it's higher. one higher. Yeah. And then we also have our breakdown of the uh, Silicon Valley bank collapse. <laughs> collapse, And uh, Jordan Peterson tweeting milk porn. He did that. He did. Those videos are up there now. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a like. Leave a comment. And we'll see you soon for weird news. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.